A good near Shabbos to our friends and members of the Westmount Shul. This Shabbos is Parshas Dvarim. It is Shabbos Nachamu as we prepare for Tisha B'Av. In this week's Parsha, we find a very interesting reward that was given out. When Moshe now is reviewing the Torah and the events that happened in the 40 years that you choose were in the desert, as he reviews the story of the spies, which of course, ultimately it's a Tisha B'Av story. And he speaks about the reward that happens to Yehoshua ben Nun and Kalev ben Yefuna. As Rashi explains that although the 10 spies died, Yeshua and Kalev were able to have their portion in the land of Israel, but they also received the portion that the spies who died were supposed to get. So the question is, certainly they deserve their own reward, but why do they get a reward as well from the other spies who did not pick up on their reward? This question really uh, is appropriate in many different areas. For example, the Mishnah Pirkei says there were 10 generations from Noah until Avram to tell us that all the generations were getting Hashem angry, so to speak, until Avram came and got the reward from all of them. Okay, so again, why does Avram deserve the reward of all of them? And the point is that this concept repeats itself over and over whenever there's a specific weakness in a generation. And therefore, Mishnah Perkei says, in a place where there are no people, make an effort to be the person. And Rabbeinion explains, you see a door where Torah is weak in that generation, stand up and make big efforts, and then you're guaranteed that you will get a reward equal to all of them. Similarly, the Yalkut in Parshas Pincha says, any kosher person who gets up in a wicked generation, he merits to get the scar of everybody. Noah got the scar of the Dor Hamabul, Avram got the scar of the Dor Aflaga, Lot got the scar of the people of stone, and the daughters of Tzlavchad, who, who got up, and they also merited the reward of all of them. And the concept is, as all the Rishonim explain, that everyone has two portions in their lives. One portion in Gan Eden, and one portion in Gehenna. So if you merit and you don't sin, you get your portion in Gan Eden, and you also get the portion of your neighbor who happens to be a Russia, you get his chalik in Gan Eden. On the other hand, if you did not act properly, you get your portion in Gehenim and his portion in Gehenim. Because everybody's been commanded to do what's right and to stay away from what's not proper. So therefore, you uh, there's a lot of reward out there and therefore you're entitled to get more of that. But we have to go a little bit deeper to understand this. And the idea is, certainly when everybody is serving God, <clears throat> or let's make it even a simpler marshal. Let's say there's a very heavy item has to be lifted. And let's say it takes four people to lift the item comfortably. Let's say three people don't show up and there's only one guy left. That guy, if he wants to carry it, it's going to take 
probably even more than four times the effort. But if he does it, then all the effort is taken care of. I heard, I believe it was from Rav Dessler. I could be wrong. It's many years ago. But the point is, Hashem is interested with a certain amount of effort that the world expends to fulfill the will of Hashem and to bring out God's glory. If everybody in the world does their job, then everybody only has to expend a, a certain amount of effort, not that much. But if the whole world is not following Hashem, you know how much effort is required? And that's the effort equal to what all the other efforts would be combined. That's how hard it is. And therefore the person deserves such a reward. And if we take a look, for example, in all these cases, it's Avram against the world. Lot against everybody in uh, in Stone, etc., etc. It's so hard to be able to do this. So let's think about the sin of the ten spies. Do you think the sin was a gross sin of Taiva? No, as we've explained so many different ways, it was a very highly um, uh, uh, intellectual, it, I'm sure they felt it was L'Shem Shemayim, it was a very subtle sin, and these were great people who made these decisions, and they had a lot of good reasons, so to speak, to do what they did. And that's something that would have been very seductive for Kolev and Yeshua to follow. And Apiteva, it's nature that people don't like to go against the crowd. And you don't know it's wrong till it's too late. And therefore, you can imagine how much effort it took from Kolev and Yeshua to not follow the crowd. So this is an incredible message. So what does they say? What's the nafkamina for us? I think it's pretty obvious. We know that when we come to the ikvas of the Mashiach, when we get close to the times of the Mashiach, there will be two extremely powerful forces in the world. On the one hand, the koach hatoma, the power of negativity, of impurity, and that power will be so strong that people will go as low as humanly possible. And they will make a clarion call to rebel against the God of the world. Hester Punim, the concealment of Hashem will be awesome. There'll be so much confusion in the world. As we see today, there's a direct assault on everything that is godly. And it's attacking many religious groups are falling away. On the other hand, you have the Koach HaKedusha, the power of holiness, where the benches in the Batei Madrashim in the world have expanded to a state that's never seen before. There are people who are learning Torah. The Kol Torah goes from one end of the world to the other. And just like Lahavdol, the internet is being used to destroy millions of people the internet also can be used as a source of Torah as you're listening to me right now. So what's going to happen during this time? Now you imagine of the 7 billion people on the planet, how many are loyal to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Not that many. Not that many. Many of them are not even keeping the Sheva Mitzvah's Pnei Noach if you're not Jews. So in such a situation, no different than any of the above-mentioned difficult times that we have. In such a time, a person has to grab on to Kedusha with everything he has and not to, God forbid, fall 
to the other side. It's a very difficult war. The conditions are nearly impossible to survive because the the atmosphere, not only does it have smoke from Canada, but it's permeated in tuna. And that's obviously the Mita Kineged Mita. Why do you think we're suffering from so much smoke? Because that's smoke you could see, but there's something much more deadly that you can't see, that cannot see, that's coming through the electronic airways. And just like Avram, he had to stand up against the world from the Aver Hayarding, from the other side. He was, the whole world was on one side and he was on the other side. And he had to take on an assault that was unbelievable. And at this point, that's when the test comes. Now it really comes. The Rishoyim, the wicked ones that have been rebelling, filling the world with Zoyama, with the taint, certainly they're going to be destroyed and eternally in a not good place. On the other hand, those, and unfortunately there are many who are really otherwise good people, have been influenced by them to one degree or another, and they're going to fall with them. On the other hand, someone who merits and succeeds and holds on to the Kedusha, you cannot imagine what the reward's going to be. Imagine what the reward that the few loyalists to Hashem are going to get from the seven billion people in the earth that are losing it all. And the very few amount, I, I can't say a number, is it a million? I don't know. Two million. I don't know how many are Shomer Torah mitzvahs. Can you imagine how much reward is waiting for us? Very fascinating. You know, by David HaMelech, when Avshalom rebelled and many of his loyalists turned on him, yet there was one who was loyal and that was Barzilai Hagilodi. And Barzilai Giladi at a very difficult time when everybody was abandoning David, he sent food and supplies for David and his group. And then when David was able to retake his, 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 his royalty, he says, and to the children of Barzilai Hagilodi, do a chesed. And they should be the ones eating at my table. Because he came to me when I had to run away from Avshal. You know, it's not a chiddish, it's not an insight to listen to the king when he's ruling over the world. The real test is when the king is now no longer there. He lost his palace, he lost his power. Now being loyal, that's a chiddish, that's a big thing. Usually people are no longer loyal. So interesting when we look in politics, and we look at people who were so loyal to Trump when he was in office, but when he wasn't, all of a sudden they're turning on him. Again, I'm not espousing any uh, political views. I'm just saying what you see. Because everybody only wants what's in their best interest. So similarly, David Amelech, he appreciated that when David had nothing to offer anybody, now you see who's really loyal. And that's what the Chavetz Chaim says, that this story of Barzila Giladi is a marshal to what we can expect in the times of the Geulah. When the Beis Hamikdash was built and in its glory and was filled with grandeur, Yerushalayim was the Klilas Yofi, Mesos Kala Oretz. 
and the Jewish people were at their height. So at that time, is it really a big deal to be on the side of God? It's almost like you don't have a choice. And even, even the low lives would serve Hashem. But the real test is when the Shechinta is Begalusa, when the Shechinta is in the exile, and darkness is covering everything. And those who hate God, and they hate the Jewish people who are the ambassadors of God. And now you even have nine uh, uh, people in the in the Congress who do not want to hear an Israeli prime minister, uh, uh, Israeli president speak. And that it's already the cracks are coming through over here. So the Shechina is in the Golas. Will be will we be affected by that? And the Navi Malachi Malachi clearly says this whole idea. That on the one time there's going to be the Shomrei Torah who don't veer off and the other ones are going to say we served Hashem for nothing. And then that great day will come, says the Navi. Suddenly, the Mesut is going to be there. And what's going to happen? All the loyalists are going to get their reward. So as we come into Tisha B'Av, we have to understand, and I understand these nine days are difficult for us. It really is a big inconvenience in our lives. Many of us, such as myself, were blessed with many simchas. We're looking forward to Menachem's wedding in less than three weeks. The nine days really interrupt things. You have to get suits bought and altered and dresses and this and that. I've got to work around it. And all the different um, aspects of mourning that we have. And the truth of the matter is, you know, again, we all hope and pray Mashiach will come soon. But on the other hand, he hasn't. And there's no guarantees Mashiach's coming. So we're going to say, so what did, he, what did we gain by all this? Tishavah's going to come in another eight days. It's going to go. It's going to be no Mashiach. So here is, I think, the words of Chizuk, for myself at least. There's always a challenge to, to be up for Tishavah. The answer is, know that every time we commemorate these three weeks, nine days on Tisha B'Av, we are being a Barzilai Hagilodi. At the time where Hashem has been dethroned, so to speak, by the, by, the, by the people of the world, by mankind, and there's still a few people in comparison to the seven billion people who are sitting on the floor and bemoaning the base of English. And even if we can't get ourselves to cry, and even if we can't get ourselves to totally relate to what's going on. But you know what? Everyone who sits down, it's like we're sending care packages up to Shemayim. We're saying, Hashem, you still have the kingdom, at least by us. And what's the kingdom? We're davening. We're keeping mitzvahs. We're mourning for your loss. And this, so to speak, feeds HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And gives him the covet that he needs. That there's not a total rebellion in the world. This is an amazing thing. And besides that. You should realize. What kind of reward. Is waiting for us. Most, most of the 7 billion people in the world. Are preparing to give you their chilek. Of whatever their Olam Haba is. Jews and non-Jews. And the few that are going to take it who are hanging out on the most difficult conditions, 
And if you think they're difficult now, it could get more difficult. And don't get upset about it because you know Hashem's saying, I want to give you even more reward. But you got to hang tough. You got to not give in and be coerced. There were greater people than us that succumbed to the subtle seductions. So we can be get chizuk in this week's parsha from Yeshua and Goliath. And one more point I would like to add. This week was the bris of Baruch Hashem, another one of my grandchildren, Yoyna's son, the son of uh, Shimshi and Racheli Dukes which we were in Hamilton for. And if we think about it, we think about it, and Shimshi spoke so beautifully about his grandparents. So I was, as he was speaking, I was thinking about my grandparents. My grandparents were all killed in the Holocaust, every single one of them. And then I think about my parents. And my parents who are amongst the Holocaust survivors, and my wife's parents, who are amongst the Holocaust survivors. Unfortunately, the majority of Holocaust survivor parents did not keep the traditions. And the pressure that my parents had to go through when most of their closest friends did not send their children to Jewish day schools where most of their closest friends were not keeping Shabbos or kosher, where my parents and my wife's parents, they hung on. They hung on for this. So what do you see? I can't speak about Elam Haba. I just believe in what the Torah says. I believe it. But even for something you don't need to believe, it's something you could see. It's not only the Elam Haba you're going to get everybody's Eilam Hapa, and they're going to get your Gehenna. And again, that needs a lot of Amun and Bitochen. Well, let's forget about Amun and Bitochen for just a minute. And say, you know what their reward is? And even to say the next, and, and that they sent me and my sisters to a Jewish day school, and they kept a, a, good, a fair modicum of Torah observance, and, and set the stage for us to bring it to the next level. But look, in this world, look at Holocaust survivors, children, many of them who did not follow the Torah. How many grandchildren do they have? A couple, a few, if any. And I was blessed to not be at a bris and be the sandik where I, where I have had dozens and dozens of grandchildren already together with my sisters and together with many of the other celebrants, my in-laws who were at the bris, how many, we were counting how many grandchildren between the two families. Incredible, over 50. Now figure families who have, did not keep the observance, maybe five, if anything. And how about their children? They don't even want to get married. They don't want to have kids. And we're having children that will want to get married, will want to have kids. So do you see in this world, mamish? You don't have to wait for Ailamaba. In this world, mamish. We're taking the greatest pleasure. We're getting the greatest schar right now is we're bringing more ambassadors to Hashem in the world. And instead of the rest of the world having normal amounts of, of uh, uh, children 
to replace, a, you know, go beyond zero population growth, where we are blessed to bring so many children in the world. And we're blessed, and my children specifically are blessed with this challenge, even greater than the challenge that me and my Rebbitson had to raise our children in the first part of the 21st century. And now our children have to raise children in the next quarter of the 21st century where the challenges are even greater. And yet just look, open your eyes and you'll see. Mamish in Oilam Haza, Oilam Haba. Nachas from such children. I'm sure our parents in Shemayim are seeing this wonderful thing. But you know that and I'm sure they know everything and they know their chalik and that's all amazing. But now we we can see ourselves the great brachas that have come from the decisions that our parents made. And that we mamish have everybody's chalik and so much more. That should give us chizuk. So you know where that's coming from. It's coming from this Tishabov. And this Tishabov, every Tishabov is harder and harder. It's just telling us there's much, much more chilek that we will have. So I give us all a bracha on this Shabbos Chazon. There's a lot to see. There's a lot of Chazon. Focus on the fact that we're so loyal to Kodesh Baruch And all congregants who come to shul, not just on Shabbos, but will come next Thursday to sit on the floor and inconvenience their lives and take a break from all this. And I know it's not enjoyable. Just imagine how loyal you are, how many Barzillai Hagilodis we can become and we are. And when the day will come, that great day is going to come, where Mashiach is going to come, and Mashiach is going to say, who are those that fed Hashem those tasty meals? when nobody cared about him. He'll point to special Jews all around the world. And Baruch Hashem, he'll point to many special Jews in the West Mount Shul and say, they were the ones who fed me when nobody else would feed me. Make sure that they're on that table. That table when we eat from the flesh of the Leviathan, that tastiest meal that will ever be tasted, will all be invited to come to that meal and to enjoy that forever and ever. Have a good Shabbos.